You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well. Are you wearing a roll neck? I am. I think that's a bit. I think that's a bit premature. I'm sorry. It is premature, actually. I wouldn't it normally give you that, but it's premature. Yeah, it is, is it actually. Because, quite... Is it because Storm Agnes is battering the UK? It's no. It's because I just don't have many clothes in the UK. <laughs> so when I'm back here, I just don't have much. I just throw on what's available. And this is all down to the bare bones, unfortunately. Yeah. Lovely. Well, yep. it looks very fetching. Thanks. Very well, much. I do trust, I do trust you less when you're wearing a roll neck. I've just, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, it, you're, you're very comfortable to be around and, you know, we were obviously very, very good friends. But when you wear a roll neck. I become a different person. I have a slightly heightened level of anxiety. It's to really honest, weird. I don't trust myself wearing a roll neck. I, I don't trust it. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's, it's like Bane's jacket. It's like Bane's jacket. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, those old little, this is going to show my age, but these old toys you used to get, they were just like a plastic semicircle. You used to turn them inside out and put them on a table and then they'd pop in the air. Yes. <laughs> it's like constantly waiting for one of those to go off. That's what it's like being around you in a roll neck. <laughs> anyway, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Yeah. Wherever you are in the world. So, some admin, your good self, Mayor Quadri and Ian Wright are going to be on Wright's house on Friday in yep. the studio. And you're going to talk a little bit about Victor Ossiman. Yeah. And uh, the situation around him and Napoli. I quite like it when you, Mioa, and Ian do it. It kind of feels like three generations of Wright's house. I, was gonna, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Why did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> the funny thing is, talk like Mayo's like 13. <laughs> I know, but it's like when Ian, I, and Flo do it. There's actually like, a smaller gap between Flo and I than you and Mioa, right? But it still feels like three generations of right. Generational so, podcast. Yeah. It's great, man. Balance. That's what it is. It's balance. Like a finely, finely tuned midfield. I just love how like it's uncles and me and Ian do it. But when I do it with it, I do it with Ian and Mayo. I'm the dad. Ian becomes the granddad. He gets bumped up. Well, listen, you know, sometimes you've got to play two number tens as number eights. Now speaking my language. Should we do a, a little bit of a roundup? Because today we're, yeah. we're, we're going to talk a little bit about 3pm blackout and TV times in the UK. Mm. Because it was based on something that um, was announced last week about potentially bringing in a 6pm kickoff time in the, in the Premier League on a Sunday. Mm. Which is just... Blah. So we'll chat a bit about that. But before we do, there was some midweek football, but we're going to swerve it in, in detail. But can we start in Serie A? Yes, quickly? yes. I think we have to. Because... Uh, 
Inter slipped up for the first time this season. They dropped points when well, they lost at home to Sassuolo. Sass, look at Sass. Berardi doing, doing work. Stuff. Yes. Um, and because Milan beat Cagliari away, mm. they're level on points with Inter at the top. Inter already with a vast superior goal difference. And the only side in Serie A with a double digit goal difference, a positive double digit goal difference. Elsewhere, around all of the uh, stuff that's going on off the pitch, Napoli looked all right on it. They did. They did. Osimhen was good, scored a goal, movement for the goal was great. Kind of incredible that with everything that's going on, A, he starts, and B, he does that. But I imagine you'll talk more about this on Friday. Yeah. Quite scaly delivering as well. Scores his first um, goal in seven months. But he was really good. He was really, really good, actually. <laughs> Maybe He was, he was. I don't have the stats in front of me, but if anyone from Opta is listening, mm. can you please let us know if any player in, in a top five European league has hit the post more times in this calendar year than Kravitz Do you remember that year that Messi was doing it all the time for PSG? I think he was doing it on purpose though. Because <laughs> I think he knew that they were going to, yeah, I think he knew they were going to win the league anyway. Do you think he wanted it to become a thing? Do you think Messi's like secretly very online? You know, there's people that pretend to not be online, but they actually are. And they're like in the comments and like. <laughs> I think when Messi went to PSG, he assumed that they were going to win the league and it was all about the Champions League. So I think, uh, do you remember when Ian <laughs> told us that story about when he used to play Sunday League and stuff? Oh, yes. And he would only try and finish with his left foot or he'd only try and finish off the post. Yeah. And, and if it didn't, Messi yeah, did. yeah, Messi, yeah. Messi just did it in Liga for a whole season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the woodworkers. There's the Woodwork 11. I think, um, yeah, Quarrot Scale is definitely Woodwork 11 this season. Woodwork and 11. There's some that sounds great, great. That sounds well, very art. That sounds very like arts and crafty. Because the thing about the Woodwork 11, you see those players, they're just on the verge of it. Like there's one, they're just one goal away from going on a run. They're just one goal away from regaining form. But the football yeah. gods just don't yield it up. We had that with Shinji Kagawa. There was... Um, the game was United against Liverpool I still talk about it it came off the crossbar he hit it it was in the League Cup I think and he ripped it and it went off the crossbar mm. narrowly over and you're like oh my god if it, that had gone in that changes his entire arc but it didn't and mm. then Kagawa's career didn't, didn't become what it should have become at United I know there's other things involved but I think Quarit Scalia was like on the edge for so long and he's had this moment where he's been trying to sort of burst through and rediscover that early season form because although he was mm. named Serie A Player of the Year he actually had a pretty difficult last couple of months. Difficult spring. He did, he did actually, he did. I, I think that award was, if I'm honest, I think it was slightly generous. Ironically, given... he bloomed in winter. He did, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And look, can I just say, shout out to him for uh, a great performance. He looked really good again. Uh, yeah, the Georgian Baggio, Roberto Baggio. Um, oh, I love that. Lovely player. Um, so yeah, great win for uh, Napoli, 4-1 over Udinese. For those who have not been following it, a um, bit of a standoff between Victor Osimhen and Napoli, just to recap for those who don't know. So Osimhen, before that game, hadn't scored for the previous three games. Uh, this is his first goal in four. And there was a bit of a tension between him and the Napoli management, senior management off the field, it looks like, because first of all, he hasn't yet signed the contract that a lot of people expected him to over the summer. So there's a bit of a standoff there, which is, you know, normal. But more importantly, more gravely, I think he felt he was scapegoated for the team's stuttering start to the season. So the TikTok account released two videos mocking, first, his penalty miss um, in the previous game against Bologna. And secondly... Weird. It's, penalty, it's, it's strange. Such and a then, weird video. And then kind of doubled down with a video depicting him as a coconut, which a lot of people took to have racist connotations. I know how I felt about it. 
look at who is in government in Italy, look at the discourse around African migrants in Italy. And even though Osimhen is earning a lot of money, he's still an African migrant. Um, and rival fans will look for any opportunity to leap on that. We know that Napoli fans adore Victor Osimhen. This is an issue between Victor Osimhen, the club's executive, and a lot of racists within a country who are looking to come after him, just as they look to come after Rashford and Saka when stuff like that is. Like, if that had happened in the UK, yeah. it would have been an invitation for people outside the club to go after Osimhen. And that's, how, that's the context in which it has to be seen. So Osimhen then goes to Instagram and deletes almost all pictures of himself in relation to Napoli, um, which is obviously a message to the Napoli executive and board. Scores against Udinese and doesn't celebrate. Um, turns up at training and doesn't really say hello to his teammates because he's obviously still steaming about it. There's a video about that. So yeah, he's, he's in a difficult place. Um, yeah. We'll talk about this on Righty's House, but that's the context too. Yeah. To all of this. Yep. Um, do you want to, should we just shout out La Liga very quickly? Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, Barca dropped points against Mallorca on Tuesday, mm. which meant... Mallorca were really good. They were good. They were good. Uh, Girona beating Villarreal means that Girona are top of La Liga. They are. And you... you Plucky little Girona. Can I say this? I want to read out this tweet. Football group. <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> Dude, I'm kidding. Come on. I mean, I'm not kidding. It's literally fact. But. I, I want to read out this um, amazing um, tweet from Phil Kiptraminides. Um, I think it's important. Girona are top of La Liga. This summer they lost. Their top scorer from last season, Tati Castellanos. Their CDM linchpin, Oriel Romeo. Their best winger, mm-hmm. Rory Raquel May. Their best centre-back, Santi Bueno. The work that Coach Michelle and his staff have done is historic. Hashtag always watch Girona. Always watch Girona. Love that for them. Many congratulations. Uh, they play Real Madrid this weekend. Ah, so light, light work. Light work. At home though. <laughs> so, I'm joking. Uh, who knows? Another win for Real Sociedad in La Liga, which is good. Real Madrid beat Las Palmas 2-0, recovering from the defeat in the Madrid, Madrid derby on the weekend. Mm. Um, Athletic drew Getafe. It's a tidy top five, that. Girona mm. top, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Athletic Club, and Real Sociedad. Let's do the Carabao Cup very, very quickly. Yes. Um, because we had an email. I'd like to read it out, if that's okay. Mm. You don't mind terribly. Good, sir. From Max Slater-Robbins, who says, Hey, guys. I was wondering if Ipswich could get a shout. Beating Wolves oh. in the Carabao Cup, coming back from 2-0 down, mm. and taking more points than any other team bar Manchester City in 2023. Given Moose's friendship with Ed Sheeran, which oh hasn't come up more often. Oh my <laughs> Keep God. <it> up. <laughs> you have been seen, good sir. You have been seen. <laughs> What's slander? Alleged, <laughs> alleged friendship. Alleged friendship. <laughs> um, yes, shout, shout out to out the work Ipswich. Kieran McKenna's doing over there. Yeah. Outstanding. Playing some beautiful football. And, you know, <laughs> I've outed myself now. <laughs> no, I've, I've been thinking about. Okay? I've been thinking about how I've been okay. doing. <laughs> Are you sure? I feel seen. I feel called out. <laughs> I think subconsciously I was not really talking about it, um, but maybe for related reason. But um, yeah, they played some gorgeous stuff actually, and it's funny because you know that year that Fulham, you know, obviously last season when Fulham went on that tear in the championship mm-hmm. and was playing some outstanding football. And they just came on your radar because it wasn't just the goals they were scoring, it was the, it was the style of football they were playing. And Ipswich have done similar. 
and also like their TikTok. <laughs> Whoever's running their socials is heroic. Maybe they need to uh, do some consultancy in Napoli. <laughs> yes, very much so. You know. <laughs> uh, top goal scorers in the championship. Well, joint top goal scorers with Norwich, but um, conceded far fewer. And can I just shout out Jack Taylor's winner? Because that oh was my God, yes. Fucking incredible. Oh like, in fact, there were some really good goals in the Carabao Cup this week. Yes, yes. Shout out Ipswich. Yep. They host Fulham in the next round. Oh, I love that. Good. Love that tie. It's going to be a good. Home or away? Home or away? At home. Oh, quality. Uh, can I shout out Dominic Zobislai? Because he's pushing for signing of the season so far in the Premier League. Mohamed Jamal B said, angry goal of the round, question mark. Ryan, it's absolutely ferocious. He was enraged at the ball. Years ago, so years ago when I was, you know, my hometown of West Drayton, my humble origins in West Drayton, born and raised, where I spent most of my days. We were playing basketball at the local court and this guy basically took a dislike to one of my fellow players, ran onto the court and launched it, like launched this ball, like mid-dribble, like launched it mm. far over the fence in the general direction of like the dual carriageway. And that's about as angry as Sobosly was when he struck this. Like he looked like he was trying to... It was travelling. Hit it, it was out traveling. of the stadium via the net. Do you think it's because they had to come from behind? Possibly. I think also... I think also the cop as well. I think he's got a sense of occasion. You know, there are some players who they're like conductors and I've seen comparisons with Gerard actually, people with early comparisons, Gerard for fun. But I think there's something that the thing about Gerard, Gerard um, and Frank Lampard said this, he had the ability and he said it almost in awe, Frank Lampard, the ability to completely raise the tempo of a game at any given point. And I think Sobosly has that. It's the quality of the kind of the conductor, the entertainment, whatever you call it. Like there's, there's, it's like when, uh, it's like when Steph Curry hits a shot from near the half, near, near, near the half court from the logo, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, he's already turning Yeah, it's a demo. It's a demo. Yeah. In, you yeah. see, when I see someone strike from that distance, I'm thinking you could have gone in a yard closer. Like, I'm like, no, I'm going to hit this from here. Like, Sobosly could have taken another step. He's like, no, no, I'm going to give him this work. <laughs> I'm going to give the keeper this work in front of the cop. Taste that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he thinks if I go a yard further, this isn't going to go in off the bar. Thank it you. Needs to go, this yeah. needs to go in off the bar. They need to hear the pain. This needs to go clean. This needs to go clean. Yeah. This doesn't need to just go in. It needs to be loud. It's like when Totti, when Francesco Totti chipped the keeper against Lazio in the derby in the 5-1. He's thrown goal and he's like, what, 30 yards out. He could have gone another step before chipping it. He could have gone and mm-hmm. driven it. He could have played like a diagonal, but no, he's like, no, this is a moment. This is a demonstration. So I think I think it was an angry goal, but I think it was something else. I think it was a demonstration, actually. They look good, Liverpool. <laughs> it's really interesting that they're kind of just ticking along. And this is the thing. Everyone's like, oh shit, Liverpool are like second. There and- was a tweet, actually, um, Squawker sent it out. They were going, like, who would have thought this run of form the last four games? And I was like, well, I think I could have seen it because you could see it there. You could see the pieces there. And you can see the plan. Yeah. Good season, bad season. Good season. Oh, interesting. Hey, I've got, I just thought of a line. You've got to implode to reload. There he is. <laughs> Can I say, that is an exceptional line of dialogue. You know when like Fast and the Furious was still like peak Fast and the Furious? Oh, that, is like, that is like a peak Fast and the Furious dialogue line. I love that. Yeah, if, anyone has it, if anyone has access to Vin Diesel, can we record a video of him like looking kind of side-eyed, being like, got to implode to reload. Dude. Hook that to my veins. Like, Luda just goes, word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyway. I'd love to see that. So I carry on. Yeah. I mean, me too. Yeah, yeah. Middlesbrough beating Bradford 2-1. Exeter beating Luton 1-0, which is a great, uh, Exeter City. Great result for Exeter City. Mm. 
Uh, we mentioned Ipswich. Mansfield Town beating Peterborough United on penalties. Uh, Port Vale being Sutton United. Salford City losing 4-0 at home to Burnley. Do you want to chat about Manchester United very quickly? Because they won. They uh, did, they did. They dispatched Palace 3-0. Amrabat made his debut. Yeah, I, I had to catch up on this one. Um, Amrabat was, he was excellent, actually. Um, well, not actually, no surprise, no surprise. The strange thing about this is why he just had to wait so long to get his move. I think that, that midfield, as a first choice midfield, Amrabat, Casemiro and Mount, that's a serious midfield. Like, I think that's the, I think that's the midfield. I think that, you know, the box midfield is the talk of the town at the moment. I think a midfield like that behind Bruno and then a front two, I think that gives any team problems with good overlapping. I think it gives any team problems, actually. I'm sure that's not what he'll use, but I think it's got potential, actually. I'm about coming in for Ericsson or to basket upgrade because I'm about can really pass the ball. He can progress mm-hmm. the ball. And you've got Mount there. I think it just, op- I think it unlocks so many parts of this team. And this, the only strange thing is why they took so long to buy him, actually. Because I yeah. think with the preseason, you know, obviously played at fullback in this game, but with the preseason would have been even more, even more established and part of all of this. And actually with the preseason might have helped some of the issues that have arisen. So was, anyway, let's not get into that. These are counterfactuals. Well, I mean, you know, you say they still haven't bought him, Bruce. That's <laughs> yeah, acquired, 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 acquired. <laughs> like they're taking so long. He's playing for them and they still haven't bought him. <laughs> it's like one of these kind of like, if you're not satisfied after a hundred days, you can return it free of charge. Oh my God, the, the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if you could do that with players? That'd be so funny. How much the students take advantage of that stuff? I just try to think, oh, oh God. Just, oh, I've got bought a suit for a wedding. Don't take the tags off, I've got to return it. <laughs> <laughs> um, please don't do that. Well, actually, you know what, fuck it. Don't, do what you want. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Listen. Because he lives. Cause Do what you want. The corporations will be fine. <laughs> look after yourself. Make sure you all look after each other. Uh, Bournemouth beating Stoke 2-0. Everton beating Villa 2-1, which is a... Good look for Everton. A good week for Everton. Yeah, yeah. Two wins on the bounce. Mm. Good for morale. For Villa, I think with Europe as well this season, yeah, there's going to be other priorities, obviously, but... No, and also it's, it's kind of... You know, it's one of those ones where you think, could Villa have made a run at that? Yeah, interesting, yeah. But then... Yeah. Then again, maybe that's a sign of Emery's ambition. Like, if that squad can't get the job done, we move. It's not like, uh, look, Emery's, if you look at like the list of priorities that Villa have mm. and where Emery thinks he can take them, the Carabao Cup, if you're not all in to win it, it can be a real, Just get out it, can be, it can be yeah. a problem. It can be a problem in the yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Blackburn beating Cardiff 5-2. Good win for Blackburn. Uh, Arsenal beating Brentford 1-0. Good win for them, this, because Brentford really brought it. Yeah, really it brought good. It. Nice rotation, couple of debuts or whatever, or a debut or two. Um, Ramsdale <laughs> looking sharp, very sharp. Well, we had, on Ramsdale, we had this from uh, Kevin who said, someone's campaigning for next year's extra 11. Did you see Ramsdale turn around to talk shit to the crowd after that save he made off the post? Love it. <laughs> but while the ball was still in the box and hadn't been cleared. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> Just like, you, do you, what, you forgot about me? You forgot about me. <laughs> you forgot what this was. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chelsea. Chelsea won a football game. They beat Brighton one 0 
at Stamford Bridge. Caicedo mm. looked good. Fulham beating Norwich 2-1. West Ham beating Lincoln City 1-0 away. Obviously, we talked about Liverpool. And Newcastle beating Man City mm. 1-0. Good week for them. Look, they beat um, Sheffield United 8-0, obviously. And then like, the 1-0 now against City. Uh, and that is, look, that is a, it's a big deal every time you beat City. It's a proper game, this. It is. It's a, yeah, they went for it. City weren't, I don't think City were delighted to have lost this. I don't think it's one of those ones where you go, oh, actually, like, this is, because City has such a big squad that this is a, it's a tournament where you can really get players to get some silverware for themselves, actually carve out a bit of reputation for themselves. So this wasn't an ideal thing for Pep and Eddie Howe outcoached him, I think, on the, on the day. You have to say. Back-to-back years, not winning the Carabao Cup for Pep now. Mm. Dangerous trend. Is he a fraud? This is job in trouble. That's what I want to say. This is job in trouble. (laughs) Is he a fraud? (laughs) What next for Pep now that he cannot win the Carabao Cup? Yes, indeed, indeed. I don't know. I'm kind of waiting for the Toby Young article saying, did Pep go woke? Why he hasn't won the (laughs) (laughs) the Carabao Cup? (laughs) I think Newcastle are going to push for Carabao Cup this season. They should. Because they obviously lost the final last season to Manchester United. Mm. I feel like, I mean, we've talked about this a lot and it's almost become a cliche, but that first trophy under new ownership, they, I mean, they kind of got it with Champions League, ironically. So I don't, th- I think if you're going to pick one, mm. I think they would have, well, actually maybe not. I think maybe like a trophy would have been great for them, but getting into the Champions League was probably a very close second. The Champions League just accelerates the development, the recruitment, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And Isaac, I've got to say this for Isaac as well. Mm. He is, He's further ahead in his development as, as an out-and-out striker for them than I thought he would be. Like mm. he, each time I see him and his, his positioning, his movement, he's just further ahead in terms of his confidence and his decisiveness mm. um, than I thought he'd be. And I, when I say further ahead, I mean like six months further ahead of his form than I thought he'd be. I'm, I've been really impressed by a lot of the stuff he's done, actually. Um, elsewhere, just quickly, Open Cup final. Yep, yep. Houston Dynamo beating a Lionel Messi-less into Miami. Into Miami. Lots of big wigs, big wigs in the attendance. Oh, yeah. Zidane was seen. Was he? Zizi was up there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves just floating around, doesn't he? He loves floating around. Props to Houston Dynamo. Yes. Their second US Open Cup. First, first one since 2018. Mm. Winning the game 2-1. Dorsey and Bassi getting the goals. One, of, one from the penalty spot. I'd love to have seen Messi in that, in that game, though. Cause, only because what Christine Cooper said on Twitter um, the other day. Shout out to Christine, doing great work really just about the way that he just brings the best out of teammates. Mm. Everyone just plays at a high level when he's around, which, is, which isn't actually a given. No. This is the thing. It's not a given that a player of that quality goes to a club like that and makes everyone better because we've seen many great players go to the MLS and not have that effect. Um, so yeah, it would have been a shame. It's a shame not to see him in that showpiece fixture, but yeah, you know, sure. we move. Just quickly, the Eredivisie, they resumed the Ajax final game behind mm. closed doors and Final ended up scoring another goal and winning 4 0. Mm. Uh, PSV won again, though, are against Go Ahead Eagles after six games, have won six, and are three points clear of AZ Alkmaar, who have also won five of their five, but uh, they have a game in hand. All right, take a break. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water. 
pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man. So mm. a story broke last week about Premier League TV schedule set for massive shakeup as a new 6 p.m. Sunday kickoff time was proposed. We did a little tweet from the Stadio account basically being like, you know, if they really wanted to shake it up, then... It's 3 p.m. Saturday. Mm. We got a couple of mixed responses, a few expected responses about like, yeah, but what about the pyramid, which is a valid query. Mm. And we actually said, you know, let's let's chat about this on Stadio because I quite like it when we do conversations like this and it feels like we haven't really had the opportunity to do one for a while. Mm. For anyone who isn't aware of what the 3 p.m. blackout is, it was a thing that originated in the 1960s from the then Burnley chairman... Bob Lord. Mm. It's all on Wikipedia. Uh, I'll just read it from there. Successfully convinced Football League chairman that televised matches on a Saturday afternoon would have a negative effect on the attendance of other Football League games that were not being televised and as a result reduce their financial income. So because of that conversation in the 1960s, that is the reason why the FA, the Premier League and the Football League do not allow matches to be televised between 2.45pm and 5.15pm on a Saturday within the United Kingdom. Mm. Historically, obviously, historically, the FA Cup was the exception to the rule because it used to be a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff. There's a, also UEFA Article 48, which basically says that um, any FA has the right to ban football being on TV for a, for a two-hour or two-and-a-half-hour block. Mm. So we thought we'd basically have a discussion about this mm. because we have obviously lived in Germany for a very long time where... All of the Bundesliga 3.30 games, well, pr- every single Bundesliga game is on TV. Yeah. It's all on Sky. Oh, well, actually, no, it's all on Sky and the Zone now. Depending on the kickoff time, Friday night games um, and Sunday games are the Zone now. They swapped around for a bit. And all of the Saturday games are on Sky. So the 3.30 kickoffs are all broadcast either live in their entirety, you can watch them individually, or with the thing we always talk about, which we love, the conference, which is kind of like a red zone. Yeah. Uh, and the... Top Spiel de Vocca, which is the 6.30 local time kickoff. That is shown on Sky as well. So it's really great. Bundesliga have a Friday night kickoff, two kickoff times on a Saturday, two kickoff times on a Sunday. It's like clockwork. Yep. There have been changes. There was the Monday night fixture, which ended up getting canned because of fan protests about it. Yeah, so there's a bit of context. There's a lot to wrap up here. And just for a bit of a disclaimer, I don't think we're going to sit here and come to a definitive solution mm. between us because I think that our our opinion isn't really super hardcore either way. I just wanted, I thought that it'd be good to have a discussion about this because it's, it does feel wild still. And I know that people have discussed this a lot and it, either, it tends to fall into two camps. It tends to either be like pro-blackout, protect the lower leagues or get rid of the blackout, why can't we watch all the football? Mm. It's in, it, sometimes it tends to be that binary, whereas I think you and I were talking about what we felt about this and we actually discovered that I think for it's, us it's a little bit more... Yeah, it's about the desired classic outcomes. Stadio, it's, it's a little bit more fence city. Am I really known for my fence city on this podcast? I don't think I am. Um, but I would say, yeah, first of all, I'm, I, yeah, like, again, I, I'm not known for fence city on this podcast, so I'm just going to come with a big opinion. I think it's about what the fan experience should be, isn't it? And I think the reason why this conversation came up 
just for that final bit of context, is that when we saw this talk about late kickoffs in the Premier League, we thought this is maybe, there are several steps too far in football, we know that, but this felt like, mm. in terms of travel times, it felt like it wasn't thinking about the fan experience at all. Mm. I suppose the way I come at this is, what's the desired outcome? It's large crowds for, well, not large crowds, crowds, crowds as large as they can be for teams that are non-league, um, lower leagues. It is football being available as much as possible and people being able to have a good mixed experience of match going and also watching from home. Um, and where I come down on it is, I think the 6 p.m. on the sun, the 6.30 p.m. kickoff on the Sunday is just... It's just... It's taking hilarious. liberties, but also it speaks to the lack of, <clears throat> the relative lack of fan power compared to Germany. Because that's mm. the kind of thing that doesn't slide so easily in Germany, just because of how fans are in power. We've talked about the 50 plus one. And the reason why I'm more inclined to hold on to the blackout is because I think that it still acts in the favour of clubs down the pyramid and fans down the pyramid. And I think that it's a bit of a bargaining chip. It was just this, it's just this piece I saw in the um, Athletic. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I read that same piece. It was, it was this it's one piece. piece, it was this one piece, it's by Dan Sheldon. Good piece. And it was very specific, it was talking, yeah, it's very, it was just talking about the War Cups, about Altingham's owner basically said there was a significant percentage of their attendees came from War Cups on the mm. day. And a big part of that might be because United and City who are nearby don't, you know, have the blackout at that time. And I, I kind of felt, you know, the, the problem with the non-leaks is the margins are so small there that you're always wary of tampering with stuff at that level because it just has that bigger impact, I think. That was the one, that's the one reason I'm still, I would say, pro-blackout, if, if at all. Oh, I think there should, I mean, the blackout needs to be there at one point. I'm just wondering whether you have it at 3pm on a Saturday. Mm. Just to make my stance perfectly clear, yes, like, yes. I am absolutely pro-pyramid. I am mm. absolutely, the, I think that, we've done podcasts on this before where clubs have gone under. Pyramid needs to be protected. Clubs lower down the pyramid in England because it is kind of so unique. It's, it runs so deep. Mm. There are so many clubs of the size of the country in England way down. That is an absolutely integral part of, uh, I'd say, British football culture. Mm. And whatever we discuss on this podcast, because I know that um, sometimes when people discuss the blackout, it seems to be you're kind of only really focused on the Premier League and everything else. Yeah. Whatever we say and whatever we discuss, just to have to put this in there, the priority for us is that whatever the solution is, the pyramid must be protected. Mm. But I, um, in classic right fashion, Musa, <laughs> I think you can, I think there are solutions to be explored that relax the blackout a bit and protect the pyramid. The first thing I would, I would say is that how, how many of the things run the same way that they did in 1960? Do we use the same technology to watch football? No. Where did you get all your information from in the 1960s? Newspapers, television. Mm. I think the blackout works back then. And it works through, it's probably valid up until maybe about a decade ago, mm. I think. Because what's happened is, as technology has evolved and how we consume football has changed, the relevance of the blackout has shifted. A large demographic of match of match going fans, for example, so the demographic that will go and watch a, a smaller local side mm. at three pm on a Saturday, they can watch any Premier League game they want on a stream for free on a device. Mm. 
you know, we've all seen those those articles about how much the Premier League is losing in piracy money because of streams and stuff like that. Right. So the games are already there and they're available. And my one thing that stops me from making a definitive judgment either way on this is that just, there's just no reason, there's no data. There's yes. no data anywhere about this. And I think that it'd be really interesting to see, and maybe I'm wrong. If I, if I am wrong, please, people, please hip us to it. And we'll, we'll, I, I was doing a little bit of digging around. I couldn't really find anything. It'd be really great to see um, how, how much uh, non-league or lower pyramid attendances have changed in the last decade in terms of a kind of relatively compared to what they had before that when you had lower access to watch football. Does that, do you know what this I mean? This just makes complete sense. I think, you know what it is? It's, it's the question is really, it's like all these, it's no counterfactuals. The question is if there's a way back from it. This is what I keep- After relaxing it. Yeah, this is what I think. It's just, you know, it's yeah. such a, it takes so long and it's so, it's impossible to look at obviously football reforms without the wider context. And it takes so long to change anything significant or foundational in English football that to change it back. I mean, look at, look at standing, look at terraces. Yeah. Like imagine going back to terraces now. Like you wouldn't, it's unthinkable. Like it's unthinkable. Well, they do, they're bringing back safe standing. Kind of full on terror, like as in. The more I think about it, mm. the more I kind of wonder whether it's just something that is so deeply ingrained into the collective psychology of the UK that it'll never actually change. It's, you know, I was going up the escalator in the, in the UK the other day, right? And all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was just this announcement being like, hold on to the rail. And I was like, I'm an adult. I can hold on to the rail. Or yep. if I'm at a train station, all of a sudden there's this ear crunching announcement saying, for your own safety, stay behind the yellow line. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Maybe I'm just going a bit galaxy brain here, so apologies. But the more I think about it, the more the 3 p.m. blackout makes sense where people go, yeah, but people won't go to games. Because actually it's almost like people can't be trusted mm. to still want to go and enjoy something that is a very different experience than sitting at home and watching football. Going to a, like, going to a West Edgebury and Charlton game on a Saturday afternoon, it's part of a ritual, it's part of a collective thing, it's part of a reason why uh, if there's a Saturday night kickoff on the Premier, on, on Sky Sports, people are still going to go to the stadium because mm. people want to be around people and football in person. Right. For me, the, the main problem comes with like a complete understanding and a, uh, for the of the fear of how, how it will affect the lower leagues, a desire to, to support the lower leagues more, but wondering why that there isn't a solution being explored that could kind of benefit all parties. But there's something, there's something and I think you're onto something about the, cult, the wider culture of this is, um, you can have the same piece of advice and if it's given by different people, it could be the same advice given by different people and people are going, well, where's this coming from? You know, if it's coming from people who don't really care about the non-league and have not really you know, cared about the pyramid in general, if it comes from people who care about there being distribution at all levels, who really care about, yeah. I don't know, not sell-on fees, but investments in infrastructure and all the rest of it. Like, for example, imagine if we wouldn't be having this conversation with this much intensity if, for example, let's say a player getting transferred for 100 million and then like beyond a certain amount in a transfer in the Premier League a certain amount gets distributed down the pyramid for infrastructure, for transport to a fun games, to subsidize all the rest of it. Like, you know, all the rest, like stadium construction at certain points. It's because 
the top of the game is so is so constantly taking that this feels like this feels like a handbrake. Even when I was looking at someone that reading around this before the, the podcast, I was thinking it feels like the three pm blackout is just kind of um, it's like a firewall against. Do you know what I mean in terms of what it's become? In terms of its symbolic, not it does it has an actual. I think it has an actual value, but I think also there's a symbolic value of it maybe as well. You can still uh, maintain the 3 p.m. blackout in principle, but moving it legally somewhere else. So, for example, and the reason that I say this is because I think the thing that annoys me the most about it is that it affects so much, uh, so many international leagues being broadcast in the UK. Mm. The, the, what happens, at it, be, it being at that time slot means that it has such a gigantic impact on the actual amount of football that you can watch outside of the Premier League. Forget mm. the Premier League for now because the Premier League is the Premier League is so weird it almost needs to be in its own little section, right? So I was thinking about what solutions could there be to shift the blackout, right? And I came up with a few. So the first I think you could do it as a staggered approach if you were, if you were going to do it. So I was wondering whether the first step could be to relax overseas. So basically the 3 p.m. blackout doesn't affect overseas football. Mm. I think that that would be a really, really good step. Like if you are ever going to find out whether relaxing the 3pm blackout will affect the lower leagues, I think you have to do it incrementally. Trial it. Because, because we, what we discussed, do you remember when we were talking about doing this show, was um, that if you did it all in one go, the first weekend would be catastrophic for the lower league. Much in the same way that everyone tuned in to watch that uh, match of the day that had no music, no presenters and no commentary. Yeah. It's like when they trialed like golden goals. When you're doing it, when you're trialing out something, you don't, it, FIFA were trialing out a silver goal, a golden goal. You do it in like youth tournaments, right? You don't roll it out everywhere at once. You sort of try it out and you do it incrementally, as you say. So I think if you're going to trial it, you trial it with specific games in different regions. And then I think you offer subsidies and you say, look, if you have a shortfall in your traditional um, match going like what are your ticket receipts for whatever and then you basically like have a subsidy in place to go by the way we're going to underwrite this mm. do you know what I mean like you just do that and I think you I think the trial period is important like and you basically have accumulate how many months of data you need to make it work so I think that mm. I think it can't be a big bang I think this is the thing people are afraid of actually yeah yeah um, yeah and this is I think if even though I think overall I think I'm probably I'm, I'm I lean more towards there being at least changes with with the three pm blackout, mm. the thing that has to be avoided is what you just said—that kind of like big bang. Right, because right. Yeah, it's just too catastrophic and it's too unpredictable. It's too volatile. My fear is that if it was to happen, and this is why I'm actually at the moment in favour of being a bit more chill about it, mm. is that um, I don't trust the people to make those decisions mm. responsibly. Mm. You know. And that's the worry. This is it. So this, it's is, kind this, of is, like, this is my concern. But, but I think there is a solution. I just think that uh, we, I think we've talked about this with football a lot is that the Premier League has almost kind of got away from itself to a point now where it's kind of hard to rein that back in. And the only real option then is to, if you look at what's going on financially in, in England specifically, is that you... You know, but we're, we're trying to talk about bringing the rest of the pyramid up financially. Mm. But then you might, you can, you, if you do that, you might end up getting to a point where 
the, the third tier of English football is able to pay wages that an area division side might not. Yes, because it's yes. never like money never goes down does it really with stuff like that it only it's like, as we know with the Premier League yeah, and football in general it's just more 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 if the Premier League was more chill if the Premier League was maybe just a little bit more than the next highest earning league or grossing league in Europe I think this conversation is a lot easier yes because it's because then it's because then it's demonstrated responsible stewardship and so everyone feels like people are eating look good example look at the writers strike right now yeah, in the US, where basically these heroic, well, just, yeah, these started, heroic right? writers, yeah. screenwriters, fighting for a better deal, and they've got a deal. They've basically got the first stage of it. They've got pretty much everything they were trying to get, which is incredible. Distribute, you know, basically like a distribution of wealth across mm. a sector, which guarantees so many more benefits for people that basically create the industry. Yeah, but look how hard they had to fight to get that out. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I think the problem with clubs lower down the pyramid they don't have that leverage to ask for a better deal you know and this isn't this is the thing this conversation is fascinating because to me it's about i, I hate to use this as an because i don't make people sound like i'm kind of judging people where they voted or how they voted but you look at like you know how brexit was like about all these things like it was about identity and all these other things and a simple conversation about the 3 p.m. blackout actually becomes a conversation in the same way that Brexit was not just about sovereignty, became other things. A simple conversation about this becomes something about deregulation and duty of care towards other clubs and academies and how players are treated like after they leave the game and all of this stuff in it. And then because the thing about the World Cup fan, this is the thing, it's the, the great imponderable is will people still wander over to games once the football is available everywhere, which it kind of is with streaming. I, I think so. I, I just mean, it's though, a I wider... The walk, up, the, walk up, the walk up thing is interesting, but it's also down to demand. People don't walk up to Premier League games because they know that you can't, right? right? But if, the, if, the, if people knew that you could always walk into a Premier League game, I think you'd probably see similar figures on televised walk-in Premier League games, walk-up Premier League games. Now, obviously, the demand for Premier League games and demand for tickets is fine. But do you see what I mean about, by the way, this is a psychologically interesting conversation as well? Yeah, why. it's really yeah. interesting. I think that my main, my main thing about it is just the kind of like the flat-out refusal from some people to even acknowledge that maybe it needs changing. Mm. Because I think it does. And after what you just said there, I'm, if I ever start like an, a, a pro- 3 p.m. blackout reform campaign. Mm. I've decided that the tagline is going to be "Take back control." Well, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. But but actually, on that, I think there's a. I have no idea whether a there's anything like this in place, or b whether there's any interest in it being remotely explored. But if anyone is listening from anyone that has sways at those tables, mm. FA, Premier League, big TV companies, government. I don't think anyone from the government listens to us because they take they take a kick in, but but you never know. Um, I wonder whether there is a almost like a committee board panel advisory thing to be set up that can explore options about how this becomes something that can be relaxed with the focus on it benefiting the lower leagues first. Mm modernize it could be actually reducing the 3 p.m blackout i think is probably a really good opportunity for modernization uh, imagine if the last national league could sell a subscription if you want to go and watch bromley because they're down the road and you've watched them for 20 years or whatever you're going to go and watch bromley you're not going to sit at home 15 minutes away i know we have at least one bromley listener one bromley fan listener yeah shouts to mash lane paddy shout to mash yeah yeah maybe the income stream isn't good enough then maybe you have a 
you have a Sky deal or you have a TNT deal, then maybe you actually start seeing money flow there. I just and, and I'm not sure if that's the right idea or not. Well, no, no, it's not, it's not, that's not the right. Like, it's not. That's not the right idea. It's not that. Like all these things, none of none of the suggestions you're making are. They're all like creative and they're all smart. It's just the. Thanks, it's man. the decision. It's the trust. <laughs> For this is football's fault because it hasn't taken care of its pyramid, right? Whenever you're suggesting reforms that are going to potentially disproportionately benefit people towards the top, you have to show a track record. You have to demonstrate a track record of actually we've always cared. This is this is why you've, we've always cared for the game as a whole. You know, maybe I'm 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 in this slightly defensive mindset because I, you know, that stat that Paul Dalglish shared again about um, the wastage in academies, like ninety seven mm-hmm. percent of players that play um, for an academy never play for a Premier League team. I think it is. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which is you know never those make those a Premier League appearance. Th- to be honest, those numbers actually are they're slightly higher than I, I thought it was ninety nine actually. There's numbers, you know, but point being that this isn't a game that take, you know, and look, of course we know there's an immense amount of talent in the academies, but if you look at the long-term prospects of those academy players, the education they have, the kind of employment they end up in, like a lot of them end up in like long-term unemployment because they're only trained for one thing. Football as a whole needs to safeguard the people that provide the game better before it starts making changes like that. I don't know, I just feel a bit, I think my thing is, it's more like, do you know what it is? It's because I look at the German, I look at the German fan experience. German fans are so empowered compared to English ones in terms of the levers they have, right? Like if you had, you, you, great example you used with the Monday night, that basically was reversed because of fan pressure. We know that fans in England can reverse big changes like the Super League, but stuff like this, fans don't have the levers to reverse this if it doesn't work out. Do you know what I mean? Like, Football has shown that it will operate over fans' heads at any given moment. And I just, I would want there to be better safeguards for fans before changes like that were made, I think. Okay, but in that, in that, using that very argument, then why, yeah. why are we not making kickoff times a little bit more fair to fans that have to travel? For yeah, look, oh, look, dude, dude, well, that, like, that, why is look, there, because this, I think this is, <laughs> this is a real, no, completely. I think, Look, all in, all in. Do you know what, I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's, do you know what's ironic, actually? The Premier League fucking mm. around with kickoff times, I think, has made a lot of people realise how broken the UK is on like an infrastructure scale. Totally, because totally. Yeah, people yeah. are like, oh shit, I actually can't get a train home at 9pm on a Saturday night from London to here or whatever. And it's, it, <laughs> for such a small country, it's actually really difficult and really expensive to get around. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what triggered the... Uh, the the kind of discussion in the first place was like yeah yeah why are the Premier League and TV companies open to exploring a kickoff time that is going to make it really really difficult even more so for travel arrangements for especially away fans mm. to get to and from games why are they exploring that over potentially reforming or updating or reimagining what the 3 p.m. blackout looks like. Yeah. Because, and, the, and I think to me, this is what gets really, I mean, it's really easy for us to do this kind of like, you know, we're at, we're at a level where we're kind of like off the radar. Mm. It doesn't, we, we can, nothing, it doesn't really matter what we say mm. because the chief executive of the Premier League or the chairman of the Premier League isn't going to listen to us two and be like, wow, yeah, I actually really care what like Ryan and Musa say on Stadio because the, con- the, the kind of, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because we're not dealing with a multi-million pound organisation or a billion, multi-billion pound organisation. I get that and I'm aware of that. So it's very easy for us. But I think that 
there is a solution to be explored, I think, that you can say, right, how, let's, you know what, let's commission a massive, like, let's commission a two or three year plan. Let's do market research. Let's explore, let's, let's run, let's run, run one game at 3 p.m. as a kick, as, as an, ex, as a, as an experiment, but it's not going to be a showpiece fixture. It's not going to be, because they will have all the data of like, what are the most high watched, highly watched fixtures on TV, right? So let's maybe try maybe a, a non-remarkable Premier League t- fixture, not a derby, not a massive rivalry, not a Manchester United versus Liverpool, all that kind of stuff. I'd love to know, I know this is all a great, these are great points and I want to just add to this. I want, I'd love to know, you know, do your commissioned research, what the ideal kickoff time would be at each tier. Because it might be different for each league. So you say to like non-league fans or whatever, like what, what is the ideal kickoff time for you? Because 3 p.m., here's the thing. We play Sunday league. We've, it's always been like, Saturday league if you play in Germany. A kickoff time of 3 p.m. is actually kind of weird. Like mm. you think about it, it's, it's yeah. a strange time. Like it's, it's, it's too early to really go after it. Too, it's a strange time. I'd love to know if the ideal kickoff time, what is, is it? Is it one thirty? Is it, is it one? Is it, is it 11 a.m.? I don't know. Like not 11 a.m. obviously because we're traveling across the country in some cases, but what is the ideal kickoff time for each league just to have the market research available and then go from there and start from the ground up. So commission non-league first, then, then um, the third division, second yeah. EFL, like the championship. And then I just, I'd be fascinated to know what that was because I think mm-hmm. that's how, if you design it that way, because what you're doing if you're doing that, if you're asking people that question, you're taking account, people looking at cost of living, what it is to get around traffic you get caught in at certain times of the day, because you might find, you talk about the UK's infrastructure being under pressure, which we know it is. You might find that actually the flow of fans to different games might ease pressure on infrastructure at certain times, roads, whatever, you, you know, it might, might be to everyone's benefit. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I mean, I know it's very different and there are far fewer professional clubs, but um, in Germany, the Zweite Bundesliga and the Bundesliga have have different kickoff times. There's never, they, they don't overlap. Because I think that, that, if Again, you answer like, that, you answer, yeah, yeah. We're in such a different world now and we love, we love, fo- we love football tradition in this country and I think it's something that we should strive to keep hold of. But you can keep tradition and modernise. Mm. I think not modernising threatens those traditions in the long term because the more against you are to slightly budging anything, 
I think the more binary the solutions become, and I think that's more threatening for the lower levels than it is for actually trying to do a more... more well, like you're trying to preserve something that doesn't exist anymore. Habits have changed. Spending habits have changed. Social habits have changed. The way that we consume media has changed. And therefore, I think that I don't know exactly, just to clarify one more time, I do not know exactly what the correct solution is. But I think that there's a really interesting conversation or development to be had around the 3 p.m. blackout because I just think that it's such a it's so, <laughs> it's such a kind of like dominant looming kind of presence over how football is consumed in this country that actually sometimes we're like, well, actually, are we doing this all? Are we doing this right all along? This feels as big a conversation as shopping on weekends, shopping on Sundays. Do you remember that? There was a time in the UK you couldn't shop yeah. on a like. It's, it feels weird to say it, but again, like you know. Having lived in Germany for many years, in Germany it's impossible to buy certain things on a Sunday, right? And nothing worse than realizing you need something desperately, really late on a Saturday, and you do a charge to Raver or something like that, and the queue is obscene because <laughs> everyone has realized the same thing, and you know that you can't go shopping again till There's Monday. There's only one supermarket open in that part of the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, this feels like as big a conversation. It feels like a kind of a cultural conversation as much as a as a financial one. There's a, bit, there's a bit of a thing in this country it's just like we can't trust people to make decisions that might actually benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that gives me faith in all of this stuff is, you know the backlash of the Super League? I keep thinking about how everyone instantly knew that that was wrong. Everyone knew the Super League was wrong, right? Like the backlash was mm. huge. It was astonishing. So it showed me that people do have a clear idea of what football is, what it's for. And it wasn't just about money. It was about culture and about who built the game because what the Super League wanted to do was basically just like go off into, it's basically like Elon Musk blasting off to Mars. It was like, okay, mm. we're the one percenters, we're going to Mars and everyone else, all the clowns down on earth can like, you know, <laughs> they can kick rocks. Ironically, because on Mars, you'd be doing nothing more than kicking rocks. But anyway, um, but yeah, but and all of a sudden they're like, why is Matt Damon here? <laughs> It's because he's, he's constantly being rescued from faraway lands and movies. That's fine, yeah. Oh, hey, it's like you just get there. You're like, is that Matt Damon? <laughs> no, I just think he just looks like him. No, no, I'm pretty sure that's no, Matt Damon. No, it's pretty sure it's Matt Damon. Yeah, it's him. Um, <laughs> Guys, have you come to rescue me? Not again, Matt. Jesus. <laughs> Has any film star ever been rescued at greater expense across time zones than... I think there was space? literally a meme about it, right? About how much Hollywood has spent on rescuing Matt Damon. Yeah. I mean, no surprise. Yeah, yeah. Goodness me, anyway, the most rescue. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. So everyone instinctively knew the Super League was wrong. People have an idea of what football is for, who it's for at some level. And I just wonder, I don't know. This is about, it's a wider conversation about the lower leagues and, and how they are helped financially. And I think that any reform, any conversation has to think about a financial package. That of, has to be the of yeah, sub, You know what I mean? Like a, a, sub, a, sub, a subsidy. Hypothetically, if the Premier League opened up and all the 3 p.m. kickoffs were on, uh, Premier League kickoffs were on TV, I don't think that broadcasting deal should be allowed to increase because of that. Yeah, right. It should be included in the current package. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And like, like the, the main point about any of this stuff, and again, I know people are probably like, yeah, 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 we get it. But just to reiterate, I think that if a proposal is like, okay, do you know what? Actually, we've done, we've run the numbers and if Man United are on TV at 3pm on, on a kickoff, Alti are going to go under. Mm. You can't do it or you move the fixture. Yeah. Or again, like you said, explore kickoff times um, for 
for various, like a staggered kickoff time. Because that may not be fit for purpose, you know? It may not. But I think again, like, I mean, listen, we're not privy. We're not in those conversations. All of this, you know, they've got a load of money, all these people. They've got a lot of very smart people around the table. They've probably researched all of this and realized that you can't do it. So maybe they have. Um, And maybe we'll like a 3 p.m. Maybe we'll like, you know, you know what you're getting. Anything else you want to hit on that? No, I'm all good. I'm all, I'm all culture. My cult, my place in the culture wars is established. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, yeah, it was I great. enjoyed talking about serious Philosophical. You, so. state, of the, state of the footballing nation. All right, everyone. We're going to leave it there. Uh, we hope everyone stays safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Wright's house on Friday with uh, Ian, Mioa and Musa. And, and Counterpressed is back, so go and check Counterpressed. Uh, and don't forget to check the Stadio Archers players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on. It's almost like Musok Wonga named this group. <laughs> the Vision. <laughs> you see it. A track called Far Away. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add, Musok Wonga? Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.